1: Rup, how you doing?
2: Dave, you're in your favorite uh, city, in your favorite state, in your favorite part of the country.
1: That is true. Actually, I'll tell you what: Indianapolis,
2: kind of warm this week. Okay, I thought you were going somewhere else with that. I think Indianapolis, I'm kind of really feeling it now. Not, not quite
1: there with that, but when it's warm, it's not bad. Okay, but Pretty I didn't true. plan on that. I tweeted this, and people were giving me grief. I, I'm not, I've am not. i told you this before. I'm not good at checking the weather. So I just packed like I was going to the combine. Everything I have with me is like long sleeves. I brought my
2: coat, and it was like 75 degrees when we landed. <laughs> it's pretty warm here today. It's, it was in the mid-60s, uh, so it's pretty nice. But I just I just have my parka, so kind of <laughs> like you. That's good. This is the Eagle Eye Podcast, by the way, presented
1: by Nissan. He's Ruben Frank. I'm Dave Zangaro. Like we mentioned, I'm out here. Indianapolis the annual combine is here and we heard from Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni today uh, part of a most of the coaches and GMs tend to speak at these events so uh, it was good to hear from both of those guys it's our first chance talking to them since that year-end presser so a lot has happened since then
2: yeah and uh, it's funny because the coaches that like Belichick never talked I don't think he ever did at the combine, but he would have like a little get together with the the local writers uh, that the national guys weren't invited to. Um, Andy Reid never talked when he was Eagles coach. Now he talks every year as the Chiefs coach. So, uh, But, yeah, it was uh, – yeah, gosh, I just wish we got to talk to Howie more often. Um, it's so rare. I mean, the next time we talk to him will probably be a week before the draft in, in that, that pre-draft thing we have. And then well, after, he'll he'll talk at owners' meetings. He'll talk. You're right, owner. But it's rare. It's 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 a few times a year, and I just wish we had more opportunities to uh, to hear what he was thinking. Not that he's always going to share, but with how you can you can kind of tell a lot by how he says things more than what he says. How he says things. Yeah, how he says things. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So uh, we'll go through a bunch of the elements uh, from these guys today. Pretty lengthy interviews. I mean, they're 15 minutes each. I think Nick ran a little bit over. Um, they, they cover a lot of ground and some of it isn't always pertaining to the Eagles, which makes it a little tricky. But I, I think the biggest newsy item that's happened since the end of the season is the whole Hassan Reddick thing, because uh, earlier this month, we found out that the Eagles had granted him permission to seek a trade and then reddick make sure to let everyone know like hey i didn't ask to be traded but we know this is all about money he wants to raise um so this is our, the first chance for both of these guys to address it let's take a quick listen and then uh, we'll talk about it uh, as soon as we can an update on uh, Hassan Reddick. Where do you? Where are things with Hassan? report he was allowed to seek a trade. Do you expect him to be back next
2: year? Well, I'd say this: uh, Hassan, obviously, unbelievable player for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, local kid, great success story. Camden, Temple, Philly. Um, love having Hassan. I think that you know anything that you're trying to do, um, you're trying to blend. Obviously, what you're trying to do this year and, and how you're going to look in the future. And I think that's the hardest job. But um, certainly, you know, don't want to get into any specifics with any conversations with players, but have tremendous respect for the player and the person
1: with him, what, What's the best case scenario.
2: Um, I think honest communication is the best case scenario with all your players and understanding, um, where you stand and not having, not being afraid to ha- have open doors of communication and hearing where they feel and where we feel.
0: Yeah. You know, obviously, um, we'll see how that, that plays out. I don't know how how that will play out. Obviously, uh, Hassan's been awesome for us these, these last two years, uh, big, big reason why we've been to the playoffs the last, uh, two, you know, last two years, um, is the contributions of Hassan. Um, he's, he's played really, really outstanding football. So, you know, um, we'll see how that plays out and, uh, you know, hopefully he's an Eagle.
1: Yeah. So this is one of those read between the Howie lines, type of things. He definitely left it open
2: that there's a chance Hassan might not be back. He sure did. And first of all, I don't know why he's dogging Haddon Heights. He didn't go to Camden High School. He was born in Camden. Uh, he went to Haddon Heights High School. And it's really a, a blow against the entire Colonial Conference as far as I'm concerned. But um, but yeah, and I, you know, look, it's going to come down to money. And I think that's what Howie was saying. And it's going to come down to uh, I thought it, it was one of his more kind of insightful comments is, you know, you're always balancing two th- 2024, 2025, 2026 with every contract. You're you're looking not just at this year, but, you know, where's, where's he going to be as a player and what's his contract going to look like in two years and three years? You have to do that. And when you have a player that's an older player like Hassan, he's not ancient, but he's an older veteran, Um, You have to look at that stuff and you have to project how good is he going to be in two years and three years and do we want to pay him top five edge rusher money knowing that so there's a lot of things to weigh there and they've made mistakes in that process before very recently and although. You, you, you know, you never know. You just never know. Is James Bradbury gonna, you know, what's gonna happen to him, what's gonna happen to Reddick? How's any player in that 2930 area? What are they gonna look like in two years? So it's it's a tricky thing. And I, I think that's what Howie was referring to.
1: Yeah, and a lot of times in these pressers, he's not talking to the reporters in front of him, he's talking to other people through us. And I, I think that was part of the message there was that. Yeah, like he's a really good player right now, but I, I think they are a little wary to, to pay a guy who's going to turn 30 in September, top end of the market value. And I, I really think it's just going to like the, the league is going to dictate whether or not Hassan Redick is here. The money is going to dictate that. And that's really and we've talked about this before. When you give a guy permission to seek a trade, it's not like, hey, you know, Giants, what, what would you? How many draft picks would you give us? That's not how that works. It's really like, hey, what would you pay him, uh, and then you work from there. So uh, it's about setting his market and trying to figure out what that is. And then if it's if it's something the Eagles feel okay with, I think they would do it. I don't think this means that Reddick is gone. But if it if it gets out of their price range, and I'm sure they have a number in mind. Then they would
2: look to trade him. Yeah, and I'd love to know what that number is. You know, What's I your mean, gut there? I just don't know. I just See, don't I know. think like
1: a two-year 44 mil, you get him up to like 22 a year, I I think that's reasonable. I think he has to be above 20. I, if, he's, if, think if, if they're simple. not even entertaining that, then he's gone, I think.
2: Yeah, and my gut feeling is that they're not. I think he is gone. I think there was enough phrasing – Kind of qualifying their thoughts in that to tell me it might be more likely he's gone than he's back. I still think he might be back, but I think somebody's going to pay him twenty-five million a year. Do you? And, you know, edge rushers can be productive in their in their early
1: thirties. Now, is he uh, obviously has had really two really good years here
2: with the Eagles? Um, but... And by the way, notice how Nick always reminds everyone we were in the playoffs last year. You know, <laughs> two playoff seasons. <laughs> uh now has his value raised like
1: because the league clearly didn't think a ton of him when he signed the three-year not that's a lot of money but it wasn't like top right and there's a reason he's become underpaid do you think the view on Hassan Redick league-wide has changed enough with the last two years as opposed to what he did the previous two years where he's still in double digits with two different teams
2: yeah I mean I, I I don't know the answer to that but I do think – I guess the fact that I think someone's going to give him $25 million a year says that, yes, it has changed, uh, and it, sh- it should have. Now, maybe teams will look at 2022 versus 2023 and and think, I mean, he had five fewer sacks, and he didn't have any sacks the last month or five games. Maybe if I'm his agent, will- you know how I stopped that? Two words. Yeah, Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that might be a part of it. I think that might be legit, not just negotiating or posturing. Um, I don't know how anybody on defense was supposed to excel, not just because of Patricia, but because of the change. You know, you, Now you have a change from one coordinator to another one. That's hard enough. And then the one you're changing to is Matt Patricia. So I, I definitely think there's something there. Um, Please use his full title. Top coordinator
1: candidate, Matt Patricia.
2: (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Matthew. I didn't mean to shortchange you there. Um, Are there any DC jobs still open? I don't think so. Maybe there's... I don't think so. 49ers. Yeah. Yeah, they're... Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to guess that he's not going to go there. still don't get firing Wilkes, but Whatever. I thought he's pretty good um, but yeah I think I think there'll be teams out there who you know and then how do the Eagles kind of factor that in I mean they were n- nobody knows better how bad things were with the staff and you know than, than Howie I mean he was he was in the building he saw it happening so I think they'll make him a, a good offer but I don't think it'll be good enough mm-hmm. that's just my my gut feeling.
1: No, when you look at the way Howie
2: out there was enough doubt in in his comments to me and Nick's, um to make me think they're thinking he's not going to be here.
1: Yeah, and what I was about to say is like that you look at what they said about Hassan Redick versus what Howie said about James Bradbury. Pretty stark contrast, which I was surprised about. Now that it doesn't do them any good to go up there and say, yeah, we're, we shouldn't assign Bradbury. We're going to cut him. We're going to move on, but how he did say he's under contract, he's in their plans and he doesn't see him as a, as a nickel. I was surprised to hear that, that he came out yeah. that
2: strong. Yeah. I was surprised too. Um, he, it was weird. Cause it was the very end of his presser. He got kind of ushered off the stage or the, whatever the riser right after he said that it was very brief. Um, and he didn't even, it was like in our plan. <laughs> it was. It was like, it was like, it was weird. Um, this is a guy that traded Byron Maxwell, who was just as bad as James Bradbury in 15, as Bradbury was in 23. Uh, so maybe he thinks... No, obviously, if you say, we, you know, he, he's not going to be in our plans, you can't trade him. Um, no. I can't imagine... I mean, Brad, uh, Bradbury's older than Byron Maxwell was. Maybe he'll call the Dolphins. Maybe they'll, <laughs> he thinks he'll take him off off their hands. But... Uh, you know, and then there's a school of thought that obviously it's a big cap hit um, either way, whether it's a June 1st, uh, it would be next year. But maybe maybe he's thinking, you know, we'll just keep him around. We'll still draft a guy. We'll start, you know, whoever, you know, whether it's Keeley or, or Isaiah Rogers or the draft pick, you know, with Slay, uh, Eli Ricks, whoever is the best guy. And we'll just keep Bradbury as an emergency guy. He'll take up a roster spot. Um, might not even play, might not even dress him, but will avoid that cap hit. I, I, that just doesn't seem like their MO. Um, but I guess it's possible. And then the other thing is maybe they really believe, and you've been saying for a while how Bradbury's a guy that kind of alternates good years and bad years. And maybe their thing is like he's going to have a whole new secondary coaching staff, other than, oh, you know, an all new staff uh, in the secondary and a new coordinator and maybe they feel like these new coaches Vic, and and the new secondary coaches can get him on track um, i think the most likely scenario is he just didn't want to you know he didn't want to commit to anything but it, it was stark how different his answer was about bradbury who was really in a similar situation i mean he's got two you know technically two years left um and obviously his value, it's a completely different thing. Um, But uh, it was odd. It was odd to me. I i, I still don't think he's going to be here. Um When they do make a move with him and we ask Howie about it, i will be like, well, you know, at that time that was our plan, but, you know, things change. And, you know, we just drafted a guy in the first round. So whatever it is. I just don't think Bradbury would be here. And and what he said today doesn't really change my, my mind, although it d- it did surprise me.
1: It would be a little screwed up though if they wait to see who they can get and then cut him because then you're you know his his opportunity becomes really limited.
2: Yeah, isn't that what the Giants did? They cut him really late. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean that's I, I'm just trying to like come up with any kind of reason he answered the way he answered um, and it was just the way he said I mean his exact quote was you know um yeah he he was asked you know does he have a future with the or is he part of the plan he said yeah he's under contract part of our plan like he's under contract is an odd thing to it's not like he said oh we, we still believe he's a good player he's part of our plan or You know, he we we think he's going to have a big bounce back here. He's part of our he mentioned he's under contract. He's part of our plan. So that's the that's the piece of it that was on his mind was the contract. It wasn't his ability.
1: Yeah. And because like contractually, it it is going to sting to cut him, even with the, the post June 1st designation, which they would probably use if they do it. It's still not ideal to sign a guy to a three-year deal and and watch him limp his way through that first year and not really get the play he expected. And then you have the financial implications on the other side of it. I mean, yeah, I understand. Like maybe they're trying to talk themselves into bringing him back and maybe getting better play out of him.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I think the salary cap in 2025 is going to be like $350 million or something. Who knows what it's going to be, but I mean the early estimates I saw for, for twenty-five were like what twenty-four ended up being, which is 280 for the unadjusted number. Eagles will have more more than that. But um yeah, it, it, it's possible. It's possible they're trying to convince themselves that look we, we got this guy under contract. He was an all-pro two years ago. We had a really bad coaching, defensive coaching staff that we just got rid of on Moss. And I've um, always wanted to say that on the podcast, on moss. Do you feel like you nailed it? I think I did. I, I was kind of happy. With it. I probably pronounced it wrong. I don't really know. I just remember um, Shelly Long saying that on Cheers. That's how I learned that phrase. There's like, you know, we'll all leave en moss. <laughs> what was her name? Uh, Diana. I forget her name. Cheers. Cheers. But um, I'm not going to get into Cheers, but... Um, uh, it it was it was odd to me the one thing that really struck me though was that he said he's under contract not anything about his ability that yeah. kind of that's how you can kind of tell what how he's thinking he's thinking contract he's not thinking cornerback play yeah and after what we saw last year i think that that's
1: the way most of us are thinking about him yeah yeah hiring with indeed your search is over Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash
0: match terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: I thought one of the, uh, the biggest things we had to talk to these guys about were the coordinator hires, because the last time we spoke at the end of the year presser, uh, We found out that Vic Fangio became available during that presser, and they I don't think they expected us to know that. And it was very obvious the Eagles were going to go after him pretty hard. Uh, But Kellen Moore really – I mean, at at that point, we had no idea who the next offensive coordinator was going to be. We knew they were going to hire somebody, as Nick said, to to kind of take over the offense, but we didn't know what level of experience this guy would have. We didn't know what his his track record would be. Now that we know it's Kellen Moore, we got a chance – to ask those guys about it, and here's what Nick said. What about parts of Kellen Moore's scheme will complement those reports?
0: Yeah, uh, good question. Um, so obviously Kellen, I, ha- I heard Kellen because you know I felt like he was the the best guy uh, for the job, and 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 Kellen's been successful in in a, every place that he's been. I know it's relatively really a, a young career, but he's been successful as a player. Um, he's been successful as a coach. Um, you know, and and so you know. I like the way he thinks about football and the way he, he takes everything in and, and is able to make decisions off of that. So it's been fun getting to know him. Um, you know, i have had I've always had respect from him from afar. Um, and it's been fun to getting to know him and work through these things together, uh, you know, to, to build our offense for, for next season. And, and so he's been highly successful and, and we've been highly successful. And I think that, you know, I'm really looking forward to meshing the things, you know, meshing what he's done really well together with the things that we've done really well. Um, but, and, and I, again, I think it's going to be a really, a really good match. Uh, and Kellen's track record speaks for itself.
1: Count me as fascinated to see how these two offenses are going to mesh. I, to me, that becomes the biggest storyline or one of the biggest storylines entering this season. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. I think the Eagles were way too extreme in some things last year. And maybe Kellen Moore brings them out of it a little bit and he brings new concepts. But I just I don't know if there's a guarantee that these two different offenses are gonna mesh and be what they want it to be.
2: Two things. He said, "Kellen Moore's had success, whatever he's whatever he's done as a player and as a coach. He was he was zero two in his career as a starting quarterback, with six interceptions and four touchdowns. So, but not, just not everything. <laughs> I guess he missed the yeah. NFL. He was talking about Boise. He was like it, back at Boise. He was pretty good. He was. They have that weird field. Boise. Have you ever seen their football field? I have. Yeah. But it, like birds, like quit. Michael was telling me that birds like fly onto it because they think it's the sky." there's always all these birds. That's horrible. Um, but um, yeah. And then San Diego, San Diego, he certainly d- didn't have success, but no, I think, I think it is. I think you see how well, you know, just um, Sean Desai's defense meshed with Matt, Matt Patricia's defense. You kind of get a sense of, no, it's a tricky thing. And it's different than what he told us last time we talked to him, which was, it's going to be Kellen Moore's system, his offense. Uh, I've got nothing to do with it now meshing the things that they did well. Uh, under Nick with the things that that Kellen likes so sounds more collaborative Um, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing but it's a tricky thing and um, I'd love to hear those meetings where, like all right you know what are you good at well (laughs) I don't know Um, so you know we'll see we'll see what it looks like but it's uh, it's going to be different than what we've seen I know that it better be well, it has, yeah, and it has to be. And I don't think Kellen Moore would be here if it wasn't going to be. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what kind of guarantees Nick, you know, was going to give. Nick might be like, "All right, Kellen, it's going to be my system." You know, you're just, you're just a figurehead. Uh, he's the head coach, but I, I, he better listen to Kellen Moore and he better incorporate a lot of Kellen Moore's concepts and and ideas uh, because the state of this offense at the end of last year was just in shambles. And you don't have Matt Patricia to blame for that. Although he is a top offensive coordinator candidate as well. Um, That's the thing. He's a top candidate on either side of the ball because he's got that versatility that very few coaches have. uh, And this is not just based on that
1: answer. Uh, This is like kind of what I've been hearing around the combine a little bit. Uh, Nick is not going to be as hands off on this offense is I, I think we were led to believe in that year end presser. Yeah. that's what. I'm,
2: yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Uh, so like, I, I think um, it's important to remember that, but like, I, and I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I think the initial reactions on me, well, that's a bad thing because things went to hell real quickly last year, but they, I mean, to Nick's point, they have had success offensively. Now things have changed and they became super stale and we saw that. But if I'm Nick Sirianni, I'm looking at it going, well, I, I know what I'm doing a little bit too. Like, and I, I still think he's going to be involved in game planning. And I I don't know if they really truly understand how the interpersonal part of this is going to work because he hasn't worked with Kellamore before.
2: No, and that's, that's, a, that's going to be a big question until we see it in action. Um, I don't think Nick Sirianni is the worst offense. I mean, when I look at the problems the offense had at the end of last year, to me, um, a big part of it was Nick and and just, I mean, they just got bogged down in, in not changing anything. But I think a lot of that was, was Brian Johnson, honestly. I, I do think he was still calling the plays. Um, I don't think he was doing a great job of it. Um, you know, I – I, I think that Nick has something to offer, but I, I just think that he needs he needs that input from Kellen Moore. I think I think it's going to be uh, potentially a better situation. But yeah, I mean, offense was they were top five offense through the Bills game. You know, so Bills game was after the Chiefs game, right? It was Chiefs Bills, mm-hmm. and then Cowboys Niners. Yeah, so so through the Bills game, they were like a top five offense. So there's something there, them. At least there's talent. There's a lot, there's a lot of raw materials to work with. Um, so um they you know, they have a chance. But I think that's a big part of it what you just said. I mean, it's not an it's not a simple thing taking you know two coaches and, and just kind of meshing their 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 schemes together and coming up with something that's gonna be able to score 30 points a game. We'll see.
1: Yeah. Now I will say like the, the last time we saw something where you're trying to like force two offenses together it was a disaster and we're talking about like Rich Scangarello. but that was different to me a little bit because they brought in one coach in a kind of you know a role that was didn't have any borders like no one knew what his role really was and they said make us better at motion or like one one element and it didn't work it didn't make sense at least this time they're bringing an offensive coordinator who also gets to bring in his quarterbacks coach. So like they have some power, so it's not like, like I think at the end, Rich Scangarella felt like he was just fighting a losing battle against whatever Doug Peterson wanted to do. I I think there are some more checks and balances with the way this is assembled. Now it also probably leaves open the door for some disaster too. When you have two powerful sides, if they, if they don't start, if they can't blend it, then I, I think it could become an issue, but I think there are some checks and balances built into this because of the title that Kellen Moore brings with him and the fact that he gets to bring his quarterbacks coach with him.
2: Yeah. I think that's big. That's a big part of it. Um, And you hope that Nick learned from, you know, from last year and, you know, whatever, whatever was going on there in December and late November and December and into January, uh, doesn't happen again but I feel better I certainly feel better now with uh Kellen Moore I think he's a solid coach Uh, you know uh, I'm not sure he's a revolutionary offensive mind I think he's a good coach a solid coach and just have to hope that that meshing process goes in a positive way and I don't think I don't need to be any way to know until we see the product on Sundays or Fridays Fridays in Brazil I think we'll
1: start to see, uh, we might not know the effectiveness of it, but we'll see changes in training camp.
2: Well, we'll see changes, but I don't think you make any conclusions how well it's going to work. Yeah, no, I no, Certainly, like the the product, the games will tell us that,
1: but like I, I think we'll see schematic changes for sure. We better. Yeah, no question. Uh, the other part of this basically, Nick was asked, Well, why'd you gut the defensive staff and not the offensive staff? He brought up a, a really good point that like Vic Fangio needs to bring in his own guys, he's a veteran coordinator, he's earned that right, so that's why you see Christian Parker and Clint Hurt. Um, that stuff makes sense, whereas on offense, they it's not like a whole new system. I, I think that's kind of what he got into as well. It's like it's part of a new system, but we wanted to keep some of our coaches who we think are good coaches and look i i think to some extent they are good co- like certainly some like stout wasn't going anywhere jamal singleton i think has done a pretty good job with the running backs i don't think right yeah.
2: like how many coaches have have had back-to-back different guys make their first pro bowl you know he he did and you know i, I was thinking about all that and um Jason Michael, I don't know. Um, obviously, Goddard didn't, but he, he doesn't really have a whole lot to work with other than Goddard. Um, and Aaron Moorhead, he's, you know, he, Eagles haven't had a lot of one two punches. Like, obviously, they're really talented, but uh, with A.J. I think Moorhead,
1: the- you can look at either way because they have two great receivers, but then like they were begging and pleading for someone
2: else to become a, a factor and it didn't happen. That's, that's fair. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that's fair. I'm not sure if anybody out there, the world's best receivers coach, could have gotten, you know, Quez playing at a high level or, or OZ. I don't know. Maybe they could have, but um, I'm okay. But I guess my, my overall point is I'm good with, and I guess it's Petulo, Stoutland, Michael, uh, Moorhead, and, and uh, Singleton. Right, I think the offensive coaches who left are, are Roy Isman the assistant O-line coach, went to Cleveland. And there's one other one. Well, Alex Tanney. Alex Tanney uh, went to Indy, where you are with, uh, with Shane. Um, so it, it's interesting. And I think if, if Nick was a defensive coach, you probably wouldn't have seen that kind of change on defense. So those are also his guys, whereas the defensive guys weren't as much his guys.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. Uh, and I, look, we've talked about Kevin Petulo before a little bit. I think he all of a sudden becomes a pretty important piece to this. If you're really trying to blend two offensive systems, uh, he, he can kind of be the bridge a little bit. And he certainly wasn't going anywhere. I think if there's one guy Nick would have kind of stood on the table for, it would have been Kevin Petulo. The guy literally came with him in the, in the jet from Indy. So like those two are a package deal Curious to See, like if, if he's able to help the
2: transition period. That's a great question. Um, seems like a sharp guy. I mean, I, I think Nussbaum is important too, just because, you know, he, he's another voice that really understands what, what Kellen Moore is bringing to the table. Um, so I would expect all those guys to, you know, really hunker down on these next, you know, between now and, you know, whatever OTA sessions they do have and, and, uh, you know, get to work on this, this whole thing. But yeah, I mean, Petulo's an interesting guy could, you know, it's, it's funny how NFL titles have really changed. Like everybody has a passing game coordinator, offensive assistants. Like there used to be just be the position coaches. You know, then there, then there was like the assistant to the head coach or assistant head coach, and, that, and then there was like running game coordinator. Then there was edge rusher coaches. It's like it's very specialized. Um, and sometimes if a guy doesn't have that traditional title, you tend to kind of think he's not as important. But I think Kevin Petula is a really important part of this this coaching staff. Uh,
1: I have the most important coaching uh, update for you. I got eyes on Clint Hurt. Yeah. As as big as he is on in photos, he he's a mountain of a man. Intimidating as heck.
2: Really? Yeah.
1: I was walking through the airport and he was ahead of me. And I'm sure he's used to it, but I could feel eyes just like from the different gates just like going toward him. Large human.
2: Well. The main thing is that he's, he better be a good coach. Whether he's yeah. the I've heard good sky. things about him so
1: far since I've been here, asking around about him a little bit. Here's yeah. like a super high-energy guy, good with young players, which for the Eagles that's obviously really important. They have a few really important uh, young defensive tackles on that roster. So, uh, so far, so good the things I'm hearing about him. That's good to hear. I've been asking about Christian Parker a little bit too. I haven't gotten as much on him. But people, some people I've talked to, have kind of raved about him.
2: Okay, it's always so good from Denver. Yeah,
1: probably yeah. Haven't
2: especially heard when that. they don't have
1: to. You know, that's right. <laughs> All right, want to take a break and we'll get into some other uh,
2: takeaways on the other side. Let's do it. All right, you deserve a car that thrills you, a car that puts goosebumps on your goosebumps. At Nissan, we got everything from turbocharged SUVs to 100% electric vehicles that'll make your heart beat faster. Experience the thrill for yourself and shop your local Nissan store at NissanUSA.com today.
1: Celebrity cook Steve Martorano brings his Italian-American cooking back home to Philly. Enjoy Martorano's Prime at Rivers Casino and Steve's famous meatballs with Sunday gravy, prime steaks, and more. Make reservations at Mortarano's Prime on Open Table. There were a bunch of other little nuggets from these pressers. I think one of the the ones that stood out to me most was Howie Roseman was asked about Fletcher Cox and Jason Kelsey. And he, he, they were lumped together in the question, but he kept them lumped together in the answer, which I, I think is important. And he basically said, we're going to be patient with those guys. Uh, they're obviously kind of contemplating their futures. And he said that they don't want to see them playing for another team. So uh, they'd like to have both of those guys back. And and they said, like, they'll be patient with them. They don't want to rush them. And uh, I think that's important too. These guys have kind of earned the right to to take their time. But on the other hand, like, for agencies around the corner, the drafts around the corner, you do need to know at some point.
2: Yeah, and – they're they're slightly different situations, I think, just because I mean Jason Kelsey will never, I mean he doesn't want to play for anyone else where I think Fletcher, if he decides to keep playing, would be open to playing somewhere else. if if he if he wants to keep playing and the Eagles don't make an offer he likes, I think he would go somewhere else. I could be wrong. Uh, but they're a little bit different, but um, yeah, kind of hard to imagine this team with without those two guys. Who do you think's more likely to come back? I guess Fletch.
1: Yeah, I, I'm. I'm still on the side where I. I, I think Kelsey is going to retire, but that's just kind of been my gut the whole time. It could change.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Maybe they'll announce it together. Maybe he'll have. They'll have uh, Fletch on the podcast. I'm not trying to get ratings up for another podcast so they probably probably won't happen. You think
1: Kelsey would come out with like an Eagles cap and a New Heights cap like a signing day
2: and just like pick up one and then do the whole you know, thing. I never made the connection between the name of the podcast and the fact that they're from Cleveland Heights. I know I'm, <laughs> I know my mom is from Cleveland Heights so you'd think I would have like you know figured that out. I was like New Heights just, you know, we're scaling New Heights as a podcast, but uh, yeah, Cleveland Heights. That's all. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Did you know that the, the pro-life Spider-Man dude climbed the Sphere in Vegas? The same guy who climbed that tall building oh. in, in Arizona the year before?
2: Yeah, right across from our, our hotel. Right mm-hmm. across from our parking garage where we couldn't find our car on the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So he just goes to the Super Bowl every year and climbs like the tallest building you can find. You ever see those videos of like Got like rock climber dudes. You ever just watch those videos? Sure. Yeah. I, I, that stuff blows my mind that, that they do that. Like they go so slowly. What if you're up there and you're like, I really don't want this to be my hobby anymore. <laughs> like, you're like, I don't know. You're halfway up a 500. I don't know how many feet they are. We, there used to be a play. Well, it's still there. There's, there's a place in New Hampshire where I, I spent a summer called, um, cathedral ledge and it's this, this sheer rock face. You can actually drive to the top, and it's incredible views of, like, the North Conway area, but these people would climb it, and we would, like, we like park off to the side of the road and just watch them in, with binoculars, which I guess is not the, exactly as exciting as actually climbing it, but uh, I wasn't really at that point where I was, I was ready to do that. Uh, but it just blows my mind that people can do that. And just, like, not just physically being able to go, like... If you're on a rock wall, you know, you, you go to those places and they have those climbing walls. But this is real. They're really up there. Like on a rock wall, you're like, if I fall, I'm landing on a mat 15 feet down or 10 feet down. These guys, I mean, it's just, it's, to me, it's mind-blowing. I like that you're explaining rock climbing. I'm not explaining it. I mean, I think people understand that rock climbing is basically climbing a rock. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it it blows my mind what they what these guys do.
1: Want to go through some other takeaways from the press conferences sure. today? Yeah. Sure. Uh, we can just kind of ping pong this back and forth a little bit. I have some things written down. Uh, what, what did you make of what Howie said about playing young players? I thought that was really fascinating. He He mentioned that, you know, they haven't had the, to need their young players to play an awful lot, but he mentioned that like going forward, the way some contracts are st- structured, like, yes, they're going to need the young players to play more. And, there might be some like uncomfortable spots because of that. Yeah. He
2: even said we have a lot of hot, high paid guys. <laughs> like, um, yeah. And that's why you have to draft. Well, I mean, I, I, I always believe that, you know, you're better off building through the draft and free agency for a lot of reasons, but, um, you got to draft the right guys. And I mean, I, I like the concept, but yeah, they, they're not always going to be ready. And, uh, so, but I think we saw like this past year when, you know, you talk about veterans, like, you know, the whole Shaq Leonard's and, and Nicholas Morrow's and, you know, Bayard and all those, that whole group Cunningham. Um, I'd rather play young guys. I mean, they're going to get better. And, and they know they're going to be around if they play well. Um, I think you have to avoid, that kind of patchwork free agency as, as much as possible.
1: Yeah. One of the the young guys, how he did get asked about specifically was Nolan Smith. He he made it a point to say that Nolan was one of the guys who played well in the playoff game. Uh, but he also said like he has all the physical tools we need, but he, he's got to show it. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to look back, back at Nolan Smith's rookie year and wonder why he didn't play more.
2: Uh, we said it every job a little bit.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, we we said it starting from like week five. All right, like, when's this guy going to play? And it never really materialized. They need him. I mean, they used a first-round pick on him at a premium position. There's uncertainty with the veterans ahead of him long-term. They need Nolan Smith to be an asset.
2: Yeah. And, look, I think there is something to be said for being patient with younger guys. Like, Sydney didn't play early in the season. Keeley didn't play early in the season. And by the end of the year – they were both playing really well. Keeley especially said he was showed that he had some, something, but he was a little more inconsistent, but um, unfortunately he got hurt. But I, I think there is something to be said, but then those guys were like middle round picks where Nolan was a one a late one, but a one. Um, I think if Keeley had played early, maybe he wouldn't have been ready for it. I don't know. Maybe that's what they think. Um, we thought he was ready. We thought Sydney was ready. And especially when you looked at, the slop they were thrown out there at times so i can see it both ways but certainly with a nolan smith there's no reason he no reason at all he couldn't have had 20 snaps a game right from the get-go
1: yeah and it would have preserved some of the guys who kind of yeah
2: wore down at the end of the year yeah which is everybody else um i'd love to know and howie howie and nick would never answer this but uh, I'd love, you know, we talked about like, what would you like to ask, Howie? How much of the drop off that we saw in so many defensive guys in the second and a half of the year was due to the staff that you just fired? And how much was, you know, those guys just f- not playing as well for whatever reason? Uh, I'd love an on- honest answer to that. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's probably, there's probably not one easy answer, but. You know, you saw it with so many guys from Blankenship and, and Sweat and Reddick, and I don't think Bradbury was worse the second half, but he was the same. Um, who else? I mean, even like Zach Cunningham. I mean, he was he he played worse. He started out okay, played worse. Um, but like guys like Reddick and Blankenship and Sweat, I just you know they've been so consistent. I, you just like what's going on here? How much of that is them? How much of it was Coach Matty P? But it started before, obviously, before the change. Um, but it, it was a lot of guys. One thing that um, stuck out to me was how he kind of criticized himself. And he didn't quite – he was about to say something different. And let me see if I can find the quote. He talked about um, how they spent this last offseason um, – more um, working on, on the offense. Uh, I think when we look back at last offseason, we made a conscious decision to put a little more resources onto the offensive side. We knew we'd lose some good players on defense. I think looking back, and then he, I thought he was going to say, we might, you know, we probably handled that point. He said, we certainly missed some of those guys. And that starts with me and making those decisions. So I, I think that's close to him criticizing himself, even though know, he didn't really say what he was about to say. Obviously, T.J. Edwards, you know, C.J. C.J. G.J. uh, Even Kaiser White comes to mind. Um, Yeah, uh, that was interesting to me. Um, The whole T.J. Edwards thing, losing him fifteen minutes into the into the uh, legal tampering period. um, That I did not see that coming.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, he how he talked about that a little bit. And I think you look back and we realized that they were going to lose some talent on defense. And It was all by design. I don't, I have a hard time faulting him on the overall design. Now you can nitpick players here and there. And, and I think certainly like linebacker, they didn't do enough to bring in talent in case Niko, either got hurt or couldn't play. And they, they waited until August to bring in Zach Cunningham. So like clearly, they didn't put enough resources into that spot. But overall, I think everyone kind of understood what they were doing. Like, they were going to have to shift a little bit. They were going to have to kind of become a team led by this, what they hoped would be an elite offense, and they'd have to take their lumps on defense a little bit. I think that was all by design. Maybe he just went a little too far with it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's that's fair. Um I mean they 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 wanted CJ back. I think there was a point where he wanted to come back and then numbers just never never met. I think TJ was the big one and he sounded like got a huge deal. Um it, it seemed like a deal the Eagles could have easily matched. Maybe he just didn't want to be here. I've never I don't know if he's ever been asked about that um, out in Chicago but uh yeah, they they definitely Howie definitely let the defense go and You're right. It's not all about, I mean, it's okay to move on from those guys for financial reasons, but you better do a much better job replacing them.
1: Yeah, and they certainly didn't do that. Uh, I have another one for you. Sirianni talking about Jalen Hurts and his leadership style, which has kind of become a thing again. And, you know, we've heard Jalen kind of get annoyed by it. We've heard AJ Brown get annoyed by it a little bit. Basically both of them have said, yeah, but when Jalen was like this and we were winning, he was, he was considered a good leader. And now when we're losing, it's not a good thing. My rebuttal to that is always, well, sometimes winning and losing calls for different things. But uh, I thought Nick did his job to kind of say, Jalen has to lead in the way Jalen leads. We don't want him to veer from that. And then he also brought it like AJ has to lead the way he leads, slash lead the way he leads. I get all that, but do you think it's different at the quarterback position? Like, are there ways to lead from that position that are inherently different than the other leadership
2: positions? I think it's a tricky thing because we're not in a locker room. You know, we're, we don't see, like, we see him on game day on the field. We see him at practice. Um, I mean, I agree when Nick says, and I wrote about this in my last 10 observations, like, if you if you try to be something you're not, people will see right through it uh, and and if that happens, then you can't lead at all. I think you have to be yourself. And I think Jalen is, is who he is. The, the, the players say that he gets fired up in the locker room. He gets fired up in the tunnel before games. Um, he, we've seen some, some video clips that the Eagles send out of him really getting, really getting loud in the locker room, like after games. Um, I just don't think it's a huge concern. I, 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 I Maybe I'm I'm wrong about it, but I just don't think it's a big deal.
1: Okay, that's fair. Would you make anything to make of what Sirianni said about it? No, just that I agree with him. Do you agree with him that A.J. is the best receiver in franchise history?
2: I I mean, he's only done it for two years, but I mean, I've always said Quick. Quick made five straight Pro Bowls, and you know – I mean, quick for five years was the best receiver in, in the game. Uh, other than that, that Jerry guy came along. Um, He's pretty good. Uh, AJ's, I think AJ is, AJ's numbers and TO's numbers are really similar. Like for, for, if you look at like their first, I mean, TO only played 21 games, <laughs> but if you look at their averages, um, AJ actually passed him in, when he was doing that 120 was it, 125 yard thing. He passed him for the record for most yards per game as an Eagle. And then TO passed him second half of the season. Um so TO reclaimed that record. <laughs> um at some point probably like around the uh the first Giants game or something. Um I would say I would say quick just cuz of the longevity but I think AJ's the most talented Okay. And, that's fair. You know, TO TO If you look at TO though, like he, there was a lot of like he'd have like one fifty and then like twenty one. Um he had a lot of ups and downs. He had a lot of huge games. I guess that's true for, for AJ too. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go quick and then I uh, Tommy McDonald was pretty good, but I never saw him play. I know you're surprised to hear that. And
1: then I mean Harold obviously.
2: Harold, you know, had, a, had a had a had a long good, long career, Hall of Famer. Um there haven't been a lot of them. Haven't been a lot of them. That's why it's so special to have these two guys. And that was another thing, um,
1: uh, how he was asked about Devontae, and he's, he's never going to go into specifics about it, but reiterated that, yeah, like it's important to keep Devontae Smith. They know he's eligible for a contract extension. Yeah. So kind of
2: yeah. fill in the, the pieces there. Yeah, I'm not worried about that one. Although, you know, it's an interesting negotiation because – I don't think his stats really match where he is. I like he, I think he was 20th among receivers this year in yards. Um, but I don't, I think he's higher than the 20th best receiver. Uh, I think the eye test, you know, and everything, everything that was going on the second half of the year, I think, you know, he was, he played his heart out every week, um, So, yeah, I think he should be paid maybe not like a top 10, but close to it. So that could be a little you tricky. Know the yeah. oh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, just I, 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 I don't the... think. Go ahead. You talk. No, you. I don't. I don't, think, I don't think his numbers fairly represent where he ranks in the league among receivers.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think there's untapped potential with Devontae. And, no, and I part of the Kellen Moore hire to me, not, part of the, not the reason they did it, but one of the more intriguing parts of it to me is how much more is there to unearth with Devontae in a different looking offense.
2: Yeah, I see him as a 1,300-yard guy. I, I would not be surprised if this year he, you know, if he stays healthy, that he kind of takes it to the next level. He's that good. And – I mean, we've talked about this. Like, there's times where he has to work so hard for his receptions in traffic, you know, sidelines, diving, you know, know, getting thumped. Um, I would hope that Kellen Moore is able to scheme him open more where every catch doesn't have to be like this, you know, this, this in traffic and, you know, contested catch Uh, I, I, I think if if he gets some easier catches you know he's fast he can certainly get those yards after the catch I think you know another another 20 yards a game gets him up up over 1300 close to 1400 yards
1: the question I've been asked more than any other question since I've been here is did AJ Brown really call the radio station People from other markets are amazed that AJ called in the WIP on Friday. Yeah, that was
2: fun. Um, yeah, and good job by Ike. And and uh, it, was, it was just really fun. It was a fun listen. And, uh, yeah. I, look, I don't know if it was the smartest thing for AJ to do, but, um, yeah, get stuff off your chest. And I can see why he wanted to do it. Uh, it is crazy just how, like, everything just becomes like so huge. Like just, you know, somebody says on the radio, like, I don't even know, like where, who, you know, would you, would you trade AJ if, if you could? And then it just becomes like, AJ wants to get traded. It's like, it's like that game of telephone. Um, but he wants to be here. He's going to be here. And man, he's a great player.
1: Yeah. I appreciate his passion. I do too. I, I definitely do. Um we don't need to get into like a
2: a media discussion in no. general. I, I did think those, those guys did a good job. Um, they had to find a way to make sure it was really him because they were, I they were like, it. they were messaging him. Um, and uh, Ava, Big Daddy's, uh, Big Daddy Graham's daughter, um, kind of made it happen and they ended up doing like a FaceTime. And it's like, yeah, that's really him. Okay, we'll put you on the radio. It was good.
1: Uh any other takeaways from these pressers today?
2: What uh no, I think we covered everything. I was gonna ask you, if you could have any other player call in, who would you want? From from this team? Is
1: mm-hmm. that what you're saying? Like from the Eagles to call in. Yeah. Um right now or just in general. Because like right now, there's like if a son called in, that would be entertaining. Like you yeah. just mean in general?
2: Yeah, I mean active current guys.
1: I'm trying to think of someone who doesn't speak often. I'd like to hear from Nolan Smith. I haven't haven't talked yeah. to him in a long time.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: How about you? Who who are you thinking?
2: Um, I was thinking I was thinking Jalen. Because you know, um, Ike has this ability to to get players to talk, I think, more than um he, I mean, he has, he has good questions and he really knows the game, um, but they just see a former player um, and they respect that. And sometimes some players, um, not all players. And I've, I've been on the air with Ike when he's been with, you know, when he's interviewed players, including Hassan Reddick, um, when he did that show. Um, I don't know if he still does it, but um, he gets guys to open up. I'd love to hear him. Uh, take a run at it. I mean, Jalen doesn't really say a whole lot to us. So I'd like to hear someone else maybe do a better job of that.
1: <laughs> That's fair. I don't have a ton else. It was good to see. I saw Doug Peterson today. I saw D'Amico. Uh, Mike McDaniel was asked about Vic Fangio in the end of his time there. Hmm. And he said it really was mutual. I he He was relatively honest about it. He didn't get into the interpersonal conflicts there, but he – he let it be known that they had some long conversations after the season and, and both sides decided it was better to move on. He said it was something that he actually like during the year did not envision. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, it's really a, a, my first time hearing him kind of explain what happened with, with Fangio down there.
2: He strikes me as a pretty honest guy just from from what I've seen.
1: Yeah. And this is, I, I don't know everything that happened down there, but Gosh, I don't know if you can have two personalities that are more different. And that doesn't mean they can't work together, but I wonder if that's hard to kind of present a unified voice to the team when they're so different.
2: Interesting. Maybe. maybe. When, when did most importantly, when do the cornerbacks work out?
1: Uh, Later in the week, I'll be here for cornerback interviews on Thursday. So we'll hear from some of the top guys. It should be fun. Okay.
2: That's – well, now that we know James Bradbury is going to be back, I don't care Doesn't about Just don't it. Just run it back. care about corners. Yeah, run it back with, with Bradbury. That was weird. But, yeah, looking forward to seeing the cornerback uh, uh, numbers. All right. You got anything else here? No. Nope. Enjoy your time out there.
1: I will. Yeah. If you enjoy the Eagle Eye Podcast, please do us a favor. Rate and subscribe wherever you get your pods. If you're watching on YouTube, click that like button, subscribe there. As well. That's it for Rubam Dave. This has been Eagle Eye presented by Nissan. We'll talk to you soon.